the results come when you have a fundamental understanding of what you're trying to accomplish and exactly who your market is. I know that you've heard it time and again, you have to niche down, you have to create your ideal client. It's so true. You can't try to market to 10 different audiences. It's just not going to work. You know, you have to pick one or two, focus, become notable in that niche, and then you can move on to others. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, have you been feeling overwhelmed looking for the right online job? Maybe you don't have enough remote skills or maybe you have no idea how to create a killer resume that will help you stand out from the crowd. I've learned that having a community of people supporting you through this process can be the deciding factor whether you make it or break it. That's why I am so excited to share that this September, we will be opening up our doors to our remote skills membership, where we teach you incredible techniques that will help you land online gigs by learning from leading experts every single month. Our membership will provide you with the skills you need and accountability partners that will help you succeed. For more information, visit learnremoteskills.com. Again, that's learnremoteskills.com. In this week's episode, I speak with Kristen, who serves as the creative director of the branding and design studio MarquetteMedia.com. In 2017, she launched the emerging spinoff media company FemFounder.co that helps creative female entrepreneurs plan, launch, and scale their businesses. She is also the author of the book From Nameless to Notable, How to Gain Influence, Establish Authority, and Reach Expert status in your niche or industry. So listen on to find out how Kristen has helped women plan and grow their businesses. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to be with Kristen. Hey Kristen, how are you? Hey, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to be here. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've always been one of those quirky people that have never followed convention (laughs) ever since I was a kid. So about 10 10 or 11 years ago, I had started my first business, which was a full-service PR firm. And I actually had started that business out of necessity. I had worked in consulting for four years before that. And during the financial crisis, I had lost my job. Go figure, you know, <laughs> we're experiencing something very similar now. And at that point, after I'd gotten laid off, I had to make the decision of whether to look for another corporate job or start my business. And, uh, you know, I decided to take that leap of faith and just go on and pursue uh, being a full-service agency. It was tough in the beginning months. It took um, about four months to, to start making a decent profit. But the problem was right out of the gate, I tried to be everything to everybody. And when that happens, you really spread yourself too thin and you can't service 
your clients as best as you possibly can. So about another three to four months after that, I pivoted and really started to niche down and focus on three or four industries and become an expert within those industries and kind of become like the go-to PR agency. You know, I did that for eight years. And then in 2018, I had the opportunity to offload that. And in 2017, I had created Femme Founder, which is an online magazine. And um, the rest is history. And, you know, I'm happy to get into those granular details, but those are the, the broad strokes. Well, we were talking before doing the interview and you said that you had hit a really huge milestone with Femme Founder. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? <laughs> yeah. So this month, April 2020, just hit a million page views. Wow. Um, we have 160,000 email subscribers. The, the way that I built that readership and that email list is primarily through doing three things. One, interviewing an expert of the day. Two, really focusing on search engine optimization at a really deep level. And three, Pinterest marketing. I know it sounds crazy and I get this all the time from people. (laughs) They're like, I don't understand how to use Pinterest. But after studying the the ins and outs and the nuances of the platform, I, I became proficient in it. And that it was a huge part of building the readership, building our email list, creating online courses, and really just being able to give our readers what they want in terms of content. It's really interesting that you say that because it is, it's kind of like a secret, right? Everybody knows about Pinterest, SEO, and all of these different things, but no one really seems to understand how they (laughs) work. And I'm sure you felt that way when you first started. What were the steps that you took in order to familiarize yourself and turn yourself into an expert with all of these different marketing strategies that you had implemented to get to this point? Well, the first thing is, is I learned that I can't be everywhere on every single platform and actually become proficient and build a brand. So for instance, you can't be doing digital PR, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, doing ads and focusing on SEO and SEM and all these different subdisciplines of marketing. You have to pick one or two areas and become proficient in those areas of specialty. And because I have, even at that point, you know, I had been running a PR agency, I had become proficient in the way that the PR world works and what editors are looking for. So in terms of that side of building a brand, I already had that down. In terms of working Pinterest and figuring out how search engine algorithms work and you know how they, <laughs> you know, Google ends up changing its algorithm more frequently than the weather changes here in New York. Mm-hmm. I, I really hunkered down and studied from the best. So I had gotten Melissa Griffin's Pimfinite growth course. You know, I had learned from Summer Tanhauser, from Mariah Cause, and really just figured out how to create a brand that sticks out and how to create pins that people actually want 
to click on. You know, there was a lot of trial and error. It probably took about a year for me to figure that out. But uh, once I did, it was a lot easier to have pins go viral and get traffic and get uh, opt-ins for various lead magnets. Now, in terms of SEO, I think I probably studied <laughs> everybody from Neil <laughs> Patel to, you know, Pat Flynn to everybody in between. And I, I got a really firm grasp on how it works and exactly who my reader is so I can deliver the content that they want. <laughs> the thing is, when we see the results that you have, right, Kristen, people often think, well, you know, three years is not a long time to do this, but they also don't realize that you have been experimenting for a year or even more so. And I think a lot of people give up after the first try doesn't work. And then they think, okay, well, Pinterest didn't work, even though I only did it for like two months. Now I should try Facebook ads or Instagram growth. So <laughs> as Kristen has been telling you, it's like it didn't come easy. She had to be an expert in this. And you really studied this. It's like going back to school, you know, getting your college degree, but in like SEO and Pinterest, because it's a whole lot to learn. It really is. And, you know, I think that so many people just get so disillusioned with trying to market, like you said, you know, they try creating a strategy and executing it for a couple weeks or a couple months. And, you know, the results are lackluster. The results come when you have a fundamental understanding of what you're trying to accomplish and exactly who your market is. I know that you've heard it time and again, you have to niche down, you have to create your ideal client. It's so true. You can't try to create a Pinterest profile and, you know, try to market to 10 different audiences. It's just not going to work. You know, you have to pick one or two, focus, become notable in that niche, and then you can move on to others. I've been talking about this a lot, Kristen, about shiny object syndrome. <laughs> Everybody has it. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. I think also, especially since the coronavirus happened, you know, you feel like you're you have so much more time and then you see all of these people doing all of these different things and you're like, yeah, that looks good. That that looks good too. Oh my goodness. And then I, I have to stop myself and just tell myself, is this really going to help me or is this just going to distract me from my actual goal? And then I'm like, you need to stop, Debbie. You're going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's so true. It's so easy to get caught up in new technology or you know, you end up reading something and you have this mindset of where you're going to become an expert and, you know, you're going to end up selling a million products or a million books or, you know, enrolling a million students in your courses. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. You know, building a business, it takes time. I don't care what type of business it is. I don't care if it's an online business, if it's an agency, a restaurant, a bar, you know, retail store, even if it's a law firm, you know, my husband's an attorney and I see a lot of the same parallels that I use for business development, you know, that other professional service-based businesses do as well. One of the things that really stops me and 
stops me from really keeping my motivation, Kristen, I don't know if this happens to you, is when I try something new, like talking back to marketing or even any new strategy that you're using with your business and something doesn't work, right? For example, taking a course and then doing what they tell you to do and then you experiment with your business and then for some reason it doesn't work or maybe you just didn't do it the right way. How do you strategize after one thing doesn't work? Like, how do you move forward and pivot and actually start testing? Like, how do you know what to do next? Well, you need to evaluate what went wrong. And once you have a firm understanding of what went wrong, then you could create a completely new approach and try to tackle or achieve whatever objective you have set with that new approach. I know that it takes, you know, a lot of mental stamina and resilience to do it, but that's what separates the successful entrepreneurs from the failures. Yeah. And I think that's really the key is being persistent because so many different obstacles are going to be placed in front of us. I mean, every day as an entrepreneur, there's going to be something and it's always either a really high or really low. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's very rarely in the middle. You're like, oh my God, oh no, yes, I did it. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have bipolar syndrome. It's like every day is so different. And I say this all the time too. It's like, it's not for everybody, you know, going off and being an entrepreneur, it's not for everyone. And I think that's a really huge misconception because so many people really glamorize it. And then you go into it and you realize how much harder it actually is. And it's not just pretty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, it's true. I mean, you know, so many television shows and so many movies really romanticize the notion of being an entrepreneur and, you know, making all this money and hanging out with these influential people and jet setting here and there. But that can't be further from the truth. You know, it takes a lot of grit and it takes a lot of perseverance and it takes a lot of failure and disappointment to become a success. And if somebody could have that resiliency and that focus, you know, the more likely they're going to persevere. It may not be on their first or second venture, but it may be their third or their fifth. You know, for me, I just, when I started my first business, it was something that was very low cost, very low risk. So I didn't really have that much to lose. And that's the one thing that I always encourage, you know, other aspiring entrepreneurs to do, you know, pick something where you don't have to raise capital, pick something that isn't going to drain your savings or your retirement and give it a whirl, you know, put together something that's very basic, very bare bones, test it out, see how it does. And if you can sell it, great. You may be onto something. If not, and it's time to look at kind of pivoting and trying to come up with a new idea. Yeah. It's such a huge thing to be able to make that idea or to turn that idea into an actual money making business, you know, Yeah, because we have so many ideas in your head, but it's another thing to actually turn that into profit. And, you know, it's great if it's just a hobby, but again, until you start earning income from it, then it's always going to be a hobby. And 
there's so many failures right in the middle or actually from the beginning, middle, and Mm -hmm. even (laughs) wherever you are, there's so many of them. So embrace it, guys. Embrace the failure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know that it sucks and, you know, it could be a blow to your ego and to your pride and even to your pocket. But at the end of the day, you don't end up failing. You're never going to learn. And, you know, I know that it sounds so much of a cliche, but it's so (laughs) true. You know, you're never going to grow and get better unless you do fail. You know, it's just like failing a test in school. You look at it and you say, oh, all right, well, what did I do? I have all these careless mistakes. I got a 64 and I would have actually just read the question and did the work. You know, I probably could have gotten a 90. The same principles apply. (laughs) It doesn't matter how old you are. It's going to be the same thing. (laughs) Yep, agreed. And, you know, I think that for somebody like yourself that has created this online persona and you have a very successful blog and a very successful podcast. I think that that's kind of the dream for so many aspiring entrepreneurs. So I mean, kudos to you for being able to take this digital nomad brand and really turn it into something that resonates with people. Yeah. And also to tell you, I failed three businesses before I started it. So (laughs) just to give uh, Kristen's words more of a reality check over there, she's so right. You know, it doesn't happen. And the thing is, we often see people that it just seems like it just happened overnight and you don't see how many business they actually tried and failed before they finally realized, okay, all of that didn't work. I need to change. Like, this is what I learned from all of those things. Mm hmm. Absolutely. It's crazy. You know, people think that Barbara Corker and and Mark Cuban became millionaires, billionaires overnight. And it's like, you know, 30 years of failure and grit, you know. And I think that's the the misconception that a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs have. They only think about the overnight sensations or, you know, they think about billionaires and they don't really think about all the legwork that goes behind trying to build the brand. So Kristen, I know a lot of people talk about failures throughout their journey as entrepreneurs, but what about right now? Like currently, what is your biggest setback that you're encountering and how are you trying to solve that issue? Well, because so many people are out of work right now, I think that a lot of people are actually migrating online or they're trying to start businesses or blogs, some type of service-based business. So the internet within the last month, month and a half has become really, really saturated. And my biggest frustration is seeing these people, these so-called experts popping up saying that they're an expert PR person or they're an expert a list building specialist and they have no credibility behind them. That's my biggest frustration. And even though it's not directly impacting my business, I am hearing a lot from other entrepreneurs that I coach and that I work with. And yeah, it's, it's a really annoying. (laughs) 
I laugh at this all the time when people are coaches, like specifically business coaches. And then I ask them, like, how many business have you started like and made successful or even how many business have you failed? You know, because that's the thing. If you failed enough, you're going to learn from it, hopefully. And now you have a successful business. And most of the time it's like, oh, I haven't started one. This is my first one. So your first business is how to coach other people to start a successful business. <laughs> so I'm like, that's kind of weird. How would you know what to tell them if you've never done this before? <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. Yes. And it's just really disingenuous. And I think that people that kind of position themselves to be experts in a certain area, and they really aren't, you know, I mean, their true colors really do come out and it's going to bite them in the ass at some point. I just, I'm just seeing a huge surge in that happening. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of them. And I think it's a shame, but hopefully people will be smarter about it and really research before they actually hand over their hard earned money. Google being a detective, a personal detective yourself mm -hmm. really helps. It's kind of like yeah. interviewing somebody, you know, for a job that because that's technically what you're doing. It's like they're going to teach you something. You don't want your teacher to have no knowledge of the topic that they're going to you and teaching you for. You know, you don't want to go to college and get a professor who has no idea and has never even done anything about it, you know, so it's pretty crazy. You're definitely right, Kristen. There's so many people out there that are trying to put themselves out as experts and they're really not. Right. Agree. 100%. It's really unfair to the people that are completely authentic and have the knowledge and the skills and the expertise to, to help these entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs get from point A to point B. For your business, Kristen, because obviously you have this freedom, right? You created this business that has been able to allow you to work remotely and it hasn't really impacted you even though COVID is happening. How did you place yourself in that situation and how did you decide to make your business remote and to be able to really work from anywhere? Well, I had, before I started my business, I had you know a corporate consulting job. And I was on the road like probably three weeks out of every month. And when I wasn't on the road, I had to be in the office. And my office was in New York City. And I had lived in New Jersey at the time. So I was commuting two hours each way. And I had decided at that point, I never want to work in another office. I want to <laughs> work from home whether I was going to get a job or, you know, start a business, I, I wanted to be able to work from wherever. That's how I had designed, you know, my agency, even though I had an office, just in case I had to meet clients or, you know, we had projects with the team or whatever. Fundamentally, I wanted to be able to work from home. And um, the other thing is, when you have a family, it makes it a lot easier for you to be there for your kids um, working from home or from wherever. And um, that's the conscious decision that I made. And it was a very good decision. And, uh, you know, my husband and I were just talking about it last night. Like he says to me, he's like, you would have hated working <laughs> in an office and have to be chained to your desk, you know, from 
eight to six or nine to seven. It's just not my personality. Working remotely, even with team members, just as long as everybody knows what they have to do, has their tasks lined up and they meet all deadlines and the results are good, there's no reason why you can't work from home. And I think after this COVID thing, I think that we're going to see a huge paradigm shift and a lot of companies are going to be able, are going to start letting employees work remotely, maybe not full time, but at least a couple days a week. Yeah, I think that you're right. There's definitely going to be a huge shift for a lot of companies to do that. And also, I want to touch up on people thinking that working remotely or being digital nomads are just about traveling. As you can tell with Kristen, she's not necessarily traveling all the time. Her family, obviously, you guys aren't moving to different places every month and neither am I. We have a base. So for me, and I think for a lot of people doing this type of lifestyle is about having freedom and also having more time with our family and the people we love. Because can you imagine how much time we spend just commuting and taking that away from times where we could spend it, you know, quality time we could spend with the people that we love. My fiance, he travels, he commutes a lot for work because he's a therapist and he goes to people's homes. And he saved so many hours every week by working from home now because his company is allowing him to do that. And it's crazy how much more you can do and how much time that you actually get to spend with your family when you take out all of those things that, you know, working in an office was taking from you. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, when you have that extra two or three hours a day where you're not commuting, you're able to wake up a little bit later, work a regular I don't know, eight to five, eight to six, take a lunch break, hang out with your family and then be done by five or six o'clock, you know, and you don't have to get on the train or you don't have to drive to your job. And, you know, I think that there are the the benefits working at home for both the, the company and the employee outweigh having to be in the office every day except for those occasions where if you have to meet a client or you have a team project and, you know, you need to meet it certain deadlines. So I absolutely agree with you. (laughs) I mean, don't, don't get us wrong. There's definitely the downsides to them too. I think a lot of people are definitely seeing those, but for us who really love to do this, I think (laughs) (laughs) it overtakes the downside, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that a lot of people that are working from home for the first time, and they have kids that are school aged, though the school's being closed, that it's really tough because you have to work, you have to clean the house, take care of yourself, you have to homeschool your kids. So I think working from home is a struggle for a lot of people. But I think that once they get settled and they come up with a routine, you know, they're probably never gonna want to go back to their offices. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, for companies, it's going to save you a lot of money, too. You don't have to rent office space like, hey, sounds good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't need to have a full time receptionist. You know, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to working from home. 
Absolutely. Now, Kristen, let's fast forward to 30 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Okay. (laughs) 30 years from now, I want to know I did everything I possibly could to raise the best child that I possibly could. And I want that child to be a good person and be happy. I know that it sounds kind of sappy, but it's true. At this point in my life, family is more important than work. And I just want to make sure that my child is, is a good person and is happy. Well, I feel like your children are your legacy, right? They're a Mm -hmm. reflection of you and what you have shown and taught them. So, I mean, for, for all of us, like that's really a huge, huge accomplishment. If you can raise a human being to be able to give back to other people as well. So that's an awesome legacy that you want to leave. And I'm sure you're doing that right now. You're, <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, I mean, we're, yeah, anyway, that, that's a whole other situation in itself, but yeah. Parenting is, is hard. <laughs> So what are you working on currently that is really exciting to you? So I actually, you know, I always have like 10 irons in the fire just because I'm a crazy person and, you know, I like to keep myself busy. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I have a number of things, but um, my most immediate that I'm working on and I'm going to start launching and marketing is my newest book which is a handbook of everything I know about PR, cuts through all the fluff. It's a very direct guide for any entrepreneur looking to dip their toes into the vast PR ocean. And it's called From Nameless to Notable, How to Gain Influence, Establish Authority, and Reach Expert Status in Your Niche or Industry. We had initially scheduled it for launch on April 13th. But with all the COVID stuff, we decided to push it out to mid-June. And then from there, I have a mini course that's a little bit more in-depth from the book. And it's a video tutorial and a bunch of templates from real work that we've used to pitch our clients in the agency and actually secure national and even international media coverage, you know, and Inc and Forbes and Entrepreneur and all those different pubs. So yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And um, I'll have to send you a copy as soon as I get my yes, copy. <laughs> absolutely. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. So that's, yeah, that that's the most immediate that I have on the horizon. And we're also going to be talking about how to get national media coverage for your business on our extended interview with Kristen. So make sure you look out for that and go to our website to get that interview. And this is such a great topic specifically for people who want to become an authority and to start a business or whatever it is that they want to do, because that's you know, that's the ultimate, you know, that's how people see you as if you are able to get coverages in these huge publications and media, national medias. I mean, you know, that's, that's amazing. So Kristen is going to be giving us all of her tips and tricks for that. So Kristen, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? 
one of two ways. They can go to femfounder.co, it's F-E-M, founder.co, or my branding consultancy, which is marquet-media.com, and that's M-A-R-Q-U-E-T-media.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing with us your story and your incredible journey. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Kristen. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to get national media coverage for your business. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold. <laughs>